Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gorn. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly, wildfires strike Sonoma County. UK changes its mind on wine import regulations. Evidence of German Celts drinking wine nearly 3,000 years ago. And as ever, our Wine of the Week. So let's start with our week in wine. And yesterday was a momentous day for you, wasn't it, Katie? Well, I don't know about momentous, but it was the last day in the cellar for me during my sort of harvest internship uh, during the last, uh, over the course of the season, uh, just working two days a week at Judd's Hill. And yes, harvest is coming to a close in Napa Valley and Sonoma, which I think is a good thing given the current state of wildfires and power, power outages, uh, which we're going to discuss a little bit later on. And did you enjoy the harvest? I did, very much so. Uh, it was a custom crush facility, so lots of different uh, sort of winemaking techniques involved depending on the client. So got a lot of experience and the team there is great. And there's a fun little video of you on Instagram uh, sorting through the grapes, which I enjoyed watching. Yeah, check it out at KT underscore Canfield. And then this week we went to a tasting together at uh, Bedrock in Sonoma, which was a lot of fun. So for those of you who don't know Bedrock Winery, it's a really good uh, winery based in Sonoma. Um, it's all about old vines. And their tasting room is in the historic house of General Hooker, who was a retired general who planted a vineyard in 1854, just north of Sonoma. Uh, you have an interesting little story about General Hooker, don't you, Matthew? Yeah, well, the, the legend is, and I think there's more legend than truth, is that, um, well, part of the truth is he did enjoy the company of ladies, and they would... Uh, go around to his house at night and so the legend is that the word hooker for a prostitute comes from his name probably no truth to that but there's certainly a, it's a fun story yes and i do have to admit it was the first time i tasted wine in a hooker house but anyway the property the bedrock property was purchased in 2005 by joel peterson of ravenswood uh, who did so much to preserve old vines in Vendel, and his son morgan twain peterson who's now an mw uh, started making wine from it establishing bedrock wine company in 2007. So he specializes in old vines, and not just from the Bedrock property, uh, where there's Zinfandel, Carignan, Mataro, and 24 other varieties planted, but also from elsewhere in Sonoma, and even Amador County in the Sierra foothills. Yeah, and these wines are really, really good, really um, representative of California, and it's a really nice tasting room as well, really um, ambient, really nicely done, just echoing uh, California's history. Yeah, it was quite historic. Lots of pictures of the different uh, vineyard owners. So they do really tribute to the vineyard um, and the, you know, the vineyard managers that or make the fruit as, as good as possible so he can make such good wines. Yep. So that was the tasting room, but you've actually been to the vineyard itself, haven't you? Uh, that's right. So I visited the vineyard on a few occasions and had the good fortune uh, to hear Joel speak about the history. And one of his comments was that California sort of missed a beat when they decided to replant all the old vineyards uh, to one grape variety. Uh, for instance, Cabernet Sauvignon in Napa, Pinot Noir in Sonoma. Uh, he feels that field blends could have really been what set California apart from the other famed regions of the world. Yeah, and that's what they did in the 19th century. And uh, now people are beginning to do that again and working with those old vineyards. 
Yeah, and protecting what's left, like the uh, Historic Vineyard Society. I think that's uh, one that Morgan is a big proponent of and is kind of gaining a following. Back to the future. And now on with the news. So our top news story this week is the wildfires in Sonoma, raging across Sonoma County. Uh, We're recording this podcast despite the fact that we have no power. Uh, Last night, electricity was cut off by PG&E due to the threat of wildfires spreading. And as you may have seen on the news, there is one large wildfire called the Kincaid Fire that has been burning for several days near Healdsburg, about a 40-minute drive from where we are right now. And it's now burning uh, 30,000 acres, 12,000 hectares of land. Uh, The cause of this fire was tracked to a Pacific gas and electric transmission tower. So So though the gas and electric monopoly have been taking steps to prevent fires by what are becoming regular and very inconvenient for some power shutoffs, they didn't seem to catch this one in time. So it's sort of a catch-22. It's ongoing, and as PG&E continues to shut off power, it may prevent new fires from starting, but it's also creating issues for people trying to protect their homes from the one already raging. Uh, For example, those on a well system have no access to water to wet the property around their homes. Yeah, and strong winds were forecast last night, so power was cut across Sonoma and Marin counties, and residents of Healdsburg, Geyserville, and Windsor were forced to evacuate. And Sebastopol now as well, last night. Right, so it's just uh, spreading and ongoing. So in total, 180,000 people have left their homes, the largest evacuation in Sonoma's history. Uh, Power here in Petaluma is due to come back on tomorrow, when the winds have died down, we hope. And also we hope the fire will be under more control by then, and residents will soon be able to return to their homes. So how this impacts the wine industry is perhaps maybe a bit less so than the 2017 wine country fires, as, as I said before, uh, harvest is really winding down. So I think what has been the major inconvenience is the power shutoffs, um, as many of the wines are in tank, fermenting, and once they lose power, they lose the ability to temperature control all those fermentations. So there's been a lot of people in the market for generators. A good business to be in right now. Yeah, two years ago, when fires in Napa, Cabernet Sauvignon ripens later, that, that it was affected, whereas in Sonoma, everything ripens a little bit earlier with the Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, but I did see that one winery has uh, burnt down, Soda Canyon Winery, so that's obviously very damaging to them. And also I saw that um, Jamie Jackson of Kendall Jackson Family Wines, her home was burnt down as well, and she lost everything. Yep, well, still stay tuned. More news to come. <laughs> As uncertainty and confusion continues in the UK over Brexit, there was some welcome news for the British wine industry this week. As we recently reported, the British government were considering forcing importers into filling out VI1 certifications immediately once the UK left the EU without a deal. We're still not sure if, when or how the UK is going to leave the EU, but the government has now assured the wine industry that the certifications will not have to be completed after all. Instead, as promised by Theresa May's previous government, there will be a nine-month period of grace post-Brexit to create a new import system. The Wine and Spirits Trade Association had argued that the enforcement of the VI1 certification would cost the industry £70 million, as well as creating inefficient, time-consuming paperwork. The WSTA welcomed the news, seeing it as an opportunity as well for an overall reform of the import system. Well, so that's much-needed good news from the UK wine industry then. 
One can only hope that the U.S. government will follow suit and uh, reconsider the tariffs that they're placing on wine and other products. Yeah, good luck with that. So on a personal note, this week we received updates on our DNA results in which we learned that Matthew is 88% Irish. And what were you before, Matthew? I've gone up from um, 67%, and it's gradually increased over the last two or three years. Interesting. And I am no less than 58% Irish. I was 60% British uh, previously, but now they've broken out England and Wales and Scotland and Ireland. Is that right, Matthew? Yes. Yeah. So I suppose it was our deep Celtic roots uh, that got us interested in the discovery that Celts in Germany were drinking wine... 2,700 years ago. The German researchers analyzed 133 pieces of pottery from the Hunenberg site in Baden-Württemberg and found evidence of wine, beer, and mead on them. Traces of wine were found on the oldest pieces of pottery when the settlement was still developing in the 5th century BC, suggesting that wine consumption was widespread among the community. However, uh, later pieces of pottery limited wine consumption the, up to the upper sites of the development, meaning that as the community matured, consumption was limited to the elites. So the wine probably came from uh, Greece or Greek colonies in southern Italy and France, and the nature of the vessels used for drinking wine, some of which came from Greece, demonstrates the influence of Greek culture on the Celts. So my question in all this is, what sort of styles of wine were they drinking? Sweet? Dry? Red or white? Was it rosé? Orange? Amber? Who knows? I imagine it was quite sweet, though. The wines of that time were sweet. Didn't really understand how to uh, ferment wines to complete dryness. Mm. And what were the vessels like that they were drinking the wine from? Yeah, so these vessels were um, all in different shapes and sizes and heavily influenced by um, the vessels that the Greeks used. So it seemed that different shapes would be adapted to different styles of wine. So maybe they weren't just drinking one style of wine and they were making different ones, reds and whites and different colours. And now for our wine of the week. We had a bit of debate on what to choose this week. We are currently enjoying Morgan Twain Peterson's sparkling wine. It's a rosé from Pinot Noir. And that's really good, but we didn't want to overpromote his wines. That's well, not Bedrock Wine Co. This wine is called Under the Wire, uh, which is another label he and partner Chris Cottrell uh, put together just sparkling wine. And so it's, it's good to actually taste a high quality California sparkling wine because there isn't that much about. But we decided to go with another wine, which is Vinca Minor Carignan from Mendocino, the 2017 vintage. And after we had our tasting at Bedrock on Wednesday, we stopped by a new wine shop in Sonoma called Jack's. And it's not just a wine shop, it's also a petrol station and sells beer, cider, and used records. Yeah, it's quite a cool spot and it's well worth checking out. And it has a selection of eclectic wines from across Northern California. And so we couldn't resist buying some bottles. And two of them were by a producer we hadn't tasted before, Vinca Minor. Both wines are from Carignan, one wet, one red, one rosé. We haven't tried the rosé yet, but the red was very tasty. And it's from Mendocino, where there is a fair amount of old vine, dry farm Carignan, like this one. Yep, alcohol is just 12%, and this light-bodied wine is... Kind of part of a trend in California for lighter, paler, uh, refreshing reds. So quite different from what the state is known for. And I almost thought there was a bit of carbonic um, character to this one. I would certainly suggest so. 
Yeah. So the owner and winemaker of Vinca Minor is Jason Edward Charles, and the winery is based in Berkeley. Uh, so we may have to head on down for a visit. Yeah, really fun wine, fruity, easy, approachable, but nice concentration to it, and very food friendly as well. Very food friendly. That's what I love about this kind of new trend with winemakers making these really light, fresh, and fruity reds. Yeah, and if you think California is just about big, full-bodied, high-alcohol wines, then think again. Cheers to that. So that's it for Wind Up Weekly. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gorn. Join us next week on Monday for another Wind Up. Cheerio. Cheerio.